The first round of the FIBA World Cup is in the books. What we've learned from the Orlando Magic players participating in the tournament and what that brings to the season ahead. We'll get to that. Plus your new World Cup favorites and contenders. It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 30th, 2023. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the first round of the FIBA World Cup is over. The defense, Paolo Bancaro, has shown us and other takeaways from the FIBA World Cup, plus the battle brewing at center, and who is actually going to merge and win the whole thing. We'll go over our favorites and contenders as we've got three games under our belt for every team over in the Philippines, Indonesia, and Japan. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Lockdown podcast covering every single team in the NBA, to search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The FIBA World Cup is advancing on to the second round. Um, every team has played their three games in their initial groups. Now the top two teams in each group will move on to the next round. They'll play their cross group, play two more games. These groups of four now. They've already played one. Play two more games with their records carrying over. So that puts the United States and Germany in a very good position to advance and means there is work to do for Georgia and Australia if they're going to advance. And unfortunately for Georgia and Australia, they will have to face each other and potentially eliminate each other from the ter- from the tournament with Slovenia also hanging around at 3-0. and There's actually eight 3-0 and teams. We'll get to some of the favorites uh, and contenders among those teams coming up here Uh, in just a moment, but we've had now the opportunity to watch our Magic players, our five players play in three games, except for Franz Wagner's only played one because he sprained his ankle in the first game, and he's still 50-50. He still seems like he's day-to-day. Very easily could play uh, in uh, in Friday's game against Georgia uh, to get us a Franz versus Goga. We'll get a Mo Mo versus Goga. We'll talk about that here in a minute, too. and then, of course, the big game against Slovenia on Sunday, whether Franz actually plays might might come down to whether uh, Georgia's advanced or not. And, and I believe I believe if both Germany and Slovenia win, that will secure their advancement. And, of course, then that game on Sunday becomes a big game for seeing. Sunday is going to be a fun day. Um, we will have an early podcast uh, on Sunday for you to, to recap all the action as we get ready for uh, the knockout round coming up here uh, in in a couple in a couple days. Uh, um, but you know we now have this data. You know we we've watched these guys play. We've watched this team play, and we have at least an idea of a little bit of what our guys look like um, and what the the players that we're focused on as a Magic podcast really look like. And obviously, all eyes, really internationally, all eyes have been on Paolo Bancaro. Um, 
you know, at least for those that care about the match. Maybe not internationally. He's playing backup center, so that 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 might that that might have been a tad overreaching, a tad stepping stepping out there. But regardless, Paolo Bancaro has been a big big focus um, for us because a he's a rookie and we're still learning. You know, he's coming off his first year, we're still learning it and hopeful for what he can become. But this World Cup was going to present Paolo Bancaro with a different challenge. A challenge that he probably wasn't going to face if he played for Italy. You know, playing alongside Simone Fontecchio. And, and, and look, Italy's in the second round too. They have, they've had a very good tournament as well. Um, if he were playing for Italy, he'd be the star. We'd, expect, we'd be expecting him to average 20 points per game, be an elite scorer, all that stuff. And, you know, he showed us a little bit of that in his 21-point effort against... Uh, against New Zealand in, in the first game of this tournament. Though what we've been talking about, what we've been focused on with Paolo Bancaro has been a lot of, frankly, his weaknesses, his rebounding, his defense, his rim protection at, at this point, his ability to be efficient with his dribbling, with his shot making, um, the things that supporting cast players have to do. He is not the focal point of the offense. And what Steve Kerr has asked Bancaro to do, set screens, roll hard. When you get the ball, get it up the floor quickly, initiate some offense. Um, when the ball swings to you, make quick decisions, make quick and efficient decisions, and then defend at a high level. And if there were any questions about whether Paolo Bancaro would work on this team, a lot of them ultimately came down to, if Paolo Bancaro is going to play backup center on this group, if he's going to be the Draymond Green of this team, then he's got to do a lot of things that he frankly struggled with uh, in his rookie year a whole lot better. Look, I, I could give you some numbers. We've talked a little bit about Paolo Bancaro's defense um, earlier in the week, uh, but Bancaro's defensive numbers were predictably not good. The Magic didn't draft him for his defense. They drafted him for a scoring potential and scoring ability. Um, that's who he is. The Magic he had a 113 defensive rating for the year. 115.3 when Paolo Bancaro was on the floor. The starting group did have its struggles defensively. I believe after the All-Star break, that jumped up to 117. That doesn't mean it's all on Paolo Bancaro. That doesn't mean that's all about Paolo's defense. There are certainly some signs, and we talked about those, especially with his rim protection um, earlier. But it's also very clear that Paolo hasn't put all those pieces together defensively. And as we've watched these games, and we've watched him play through these first three games at the World Cup, and really through this whole run with Team USA, we can begin to see him putting those building blocks in place. We can see that, you know, not having the same offensive responsibilities, he is freed up to focus more intently on his defense. And he's been better in pick and roll coverages. He's been better defensively on the ball. He might still get a little lost in rotations and, and, and help side, but a lot of those pieces have started to come together. It's, pronounced itself mostly with his blocks. Most of his big highlights this tournament have been his block shots. And what we really saw, I think, as this tournament began is that light bulb switch on. Look, we know Paolo Bancaro can score. He's still getting to the line in 15 minutes a game. Still getting to the line nearly six for nearly six free throw attempts per game. Anytime he puts the ball on the floor, is able to get his shoulders past someone, he is going to get contact and get to the line. A lot of his shots to this point have been around the basket. And obviously there's a huge outlier game with 21 points when you're doing a three-game sample size. Outliers really matter. 
Um, so scoring averages don't really matter. You're shooting 63% from the floor uh, and about 65% from the foul line. The free throws are a little concerning, but FIBA balls are weird. Um, that's what she said. Uh, but um, Vecaro, we know his offense is going to be there. What we've seen, and now we're seeing him get more comfortable with, is that defensive leadership. Why has Team USA's second unit been so good? It's because Austin Reeves, Tyrese Halliburton, Paolo Bancaro, all able to get out and run because they're securing rebounds. They're defending at a high level. And a lot of these teams, even the ones with size, don't seem to know what to do with Bancaro at his size and his agility level. And he has put that defense to good work. Now, naturally, uh, there are two questions that need to be asked. Well, what happens when Paolo Bancaro runs up against an actual center? And we will find that out a little bit uh, this weekend. Uh, Team USA will play Montenegro and Nikola Vucevic on, on Friday. And then they'll play Jonas Valanciunas and Lithuania on Sunday. These will be the two. I mean, New Zealand was a big physical team. Um, but undoubtedly, Team USA's biggest weakness is its lack of size. Their center rotation is Jaron Jackson Jr., Paolo Bancaro, Bobby Porters, Walker Kessler. Um, Jonas Valanciunas and Nikola Vucevic are both very traditional big men. Uh, they're bruising, they're physical. Team USA is going to have, you know, I will say this, Team USA has an easy path to the quarterfinals relatively um, and an easier path to the semifinals because of their cross groups. These are two very, these are still going to be very, very difficult games that will challenge the U.S. in, in significant ways. And it's going to be a challenge for Paolo Banker. But the bigger question for the Magic, just to bring it back to us, because we care about us, um, is does this defense, does this defensive intensity, this defensive focus that Paolo has really excelled at and been really impressive at and made significant strides at, does that come to the Orlando Magic? And if it does, and he becomes a better two-way option, what does that do for this team? Now, look, Paolo Beccaro has to get better with his efficiency, with his shot efficiency, with his dribble efficiency. We all agree with that. And that's not what he's working. And, and, and he's working on it a little bit in this tournament. Like, let's not, let's not completely disregard that. He has looked much more confident since the tournament began, attacking quickly off the bounce, breaking off plays and moving the ball if it's not working, getting to his shot and, and getting to the foul line. So all those elements are still there. But can he up his field goal intake his offensive responsibility and still be this dare I say good defensive player that's the big question and that's what we're gonna have to wait a little bit more than a month to answer here in a moment there's another battle going on uh, among magic players and we will get to see that battle head to head uh very very soon I believe on Friday We'll get to the backup center battle that is already brewing. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season. It is just one week from Thursday with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you will not want to miss. 
FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Believe it or not, we are on the countdown to Orlando Magic Training Camp. October 3rd cannot get here fast enough to bring us to media day. Welcome us to the NBA season in in a really, really significant way. And I think we're all very, very excited for, for that to come. One month away, we still got another week and a half of basketball, another week of FIBA World Cup to tide us over. And just get us all feel all, all in the fields. Um, in September after Labor Day, we'll start doing player outlooks, talking more about what we're expecting from the Orlando Magic. We've obviously talked a little bit about it already, but it's coming. And we're already beginning to anticipate some of the training camp battles because this Magic team feels deeper than it's been in a while. And I know we like to say, oh, we believe in a lot of these guys, and and some of it is projecting young players forward. And that, that that's still the case. So, you know, maybe this this question about depth or this argument about depth is it going to be real i mean i'll, I'll mention it here joe english just shot four for 12 on three pointers that's going to be a big story for him uh he's four for 12 on three pointers with australia and while he is a great glue guy and the great cog in the machine the magic need him to make three pointers and if he is not shooting 37 38 from three his value for this team probably decreases a little a little bit i'm not i'm not going to sit here and pretend that it, that it doesn't um so we're already beginning to anticipate some of the questions that we will have in training camp. One of those questions is going to be who is the primary backup center. Wendell Carter is going to start. We all know that. But the Magic made two decisions to shore up their center spot, or maybe not shore up their center spot. They made two decisions at the center spot that seemed to show us what they believe in or, or, or give them options and how to prepare should Wendell Carter have to miss game? I know I make this point all the time. Wendell Carter's never, never played more than 62 games in a season. You have to expect him to miss at least 15 to 20 games every year at this point. Uh, and hopefully he proves us wrong and is able to play eight, you know, 75, 80 games, 82 games. But you're going to need some center depth. Last year, after the trade deadline, after the Orlando Magic uh, acquired and signed Goga Batadze, there wasn't a direct battle. Um, I think there was decisions made and, and the Magic wanted to give Batadze his, his due and his chance. But there was a little bit of a debate for a good chunk of the season. And, and, I, and I think it was just kind of played by year and by committee a little bit on who would play night in and night out between Batadze and Mobamba. Well, now we get a training camp. Now we get, um, now we get the whole kit and caboodle. Now we get the whole thing. Who is going to be the backup center between Goga Batadze and Mobamba? And obviously, we are getting a hint of what they will bring to the table and who they are here in the FIBA World Cup because both Batadze and Wagner are coming off the bench for their respective teams. And they're both playing really, really well. Like, it's good. Let's have, we have good decisions. We have two quality players that do very different things but are good at the things that they're good at um, that can fill in these, you know, if Wendell Carter plays 30 minutes, let's say 15 to 15 to 17, 18 minutes per game that the Magic are going to need them to fill in. So far in this World Cup, again, three games. So sample size, it, sample size uh, uh, is warnings are applicable. Wagner's averaged 13.7 points per game and 5.3 rebounds per game at 18.6 minutes per game. Um, the shooting percentages has been okay, not great. Yeah, he, said he had that one game where he missed a lot of shots. 
Um, but Tadze has averaged 11 points per game and 9.3 rebounds per game and 22.2 minutes per game. He's averaging the sixth most rebounds. He's, or he's grabbed the sixth most rebounds in the tournament so far. And that's coming off the bench with uh, Shmeradini uh, starting. Why Shmeradini is starting, yeah. I don't know. Seems like he's the veteran guy and they're, they're giving him the minutes. Um, Batadze is playing plenty uh, and starts third quarter. So it's not like Batadze is not playing. Um, both guys have done exactly what we expect them to. Bo Wagner is an excellent screener. Uh, he's great at pick and popping. He's great at rolling. He's a good garbage man around the basket. He gobbles up offensive rebounds. He's getting his putbacks. He's getting some, some nice plays to spring his teammates free. Mo Wagner has been a big part of a lot of Germany's wins this summer and, and just does little things that fill in gaps. The Tadze is much the same. He sets great screens. He is cleaning up around the basket. His mobility uh, on the perimeter, his ability to, to kind of be a fulcrum at the, at, the, at the high post has been a big boost for Georgia. Again, another reason why I don't understand why Shmeradini is playing. Or Shmer, I, I can't pronounce his name correctly. I apologize, but I... I but Batadze's had a really good tournament, and he had another good game on Wednesday to help Georgia clinch their spot in uh, clinch their spot in the second round. 15 points, 11 rebounds for him. And we're going to get to see them go head-to-head because Germany is going to play Georgia in their first game of the second round on Friday, um, and that's that's going to be a fun battle. Like, honestly, that's going to be a good game, um, uh, and it's going to be a good battle for, bo- good battle for both. Um, Georgia has some good length um, and good size on the perimeter, uh, so I think that could give Germany some problems, but Germany should win the game. I don't even know if they'll need Franz Wagner to win the game, but they will need Franz Wagner very, very soon. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but overall, really when it comes down to it, your choice between Mo Wagner and Gogo Batadze might come down to what does my team need that day? What are they looking for that day? What is what is the soup of the day? What What is what's needed now? And that... That might be the big question. That might be the big, uh, the big thing that Coach Jamal Mosley is asking himself and, and trying to answer as he tries to, to form this rotation. Um, look, Wagner is good at taking charges. He's good positionally, defensively. Teams will attack him and can score on him. The Tadze is a much better rim protector and shot blocker. He's shown that a little bit in this tournament. Um, and just a, a much top much tougher, more physical interior presence, even if he does not give you the same shooting. Although Batadze has shown a little bit of that jumper. He's taken that jumper out of uh, out of his bag a little bit here um, throughout this tournament. I don't have a good answer for who should start at backup center, and that's what training camp's going to decide. Both Goga Batadze and Mo Wagner have been perfect for their roles and have been excellent for their teams. They've played their roles perfectly, just like Paolo has, uh, and has helped put their teams in a great spot and in a great position to start this tournament, to, to, to get to the next phase of this tournament. Um, it is, it is, look, it's not going to be an easy decision. I think it'll be a decision that flips and goes back and forth throughout the season as one player plays better, another player plays worse. Um, it, it's going to be a constant thing. But that battle is there. And both players have shown us both from last year and, and now in the FIBA World Cup, just what they can do. And that's going to be interesting to watch. One of the more, many interesting battles that we will talk more about in training camp as we get a little bit closer. So now that the first round is done, what do we make of the tournament as a whole? 
why the U.S. is still the favorites, and why there are some new contenders lining up to take him down. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. Uh, I, I know I explained a little bit earlier, um, but let me just lay this out here now for you because I had some people ask me about the World Cup uh, structure and, and the World Cup tournament format. Um, so we just completed the first round, the first the first round of the FIBA World Cup. Um, the six, uh, everyone was split into what was it? It was four. It was eight groups of four for thirty-two teams. I can math. Um, top two teams in each group will advance to the next round. So we played those three games. You know, the top two teams in each group are advancing to the next round. What happens next is those top two teams are combined into another group of four. So we have four groups of four. And you're going to play the teams, the, the two teams that are joining your, that are new joining your group. And the top two teams in these groups after these next two games, so Thursday and Sunday are your second round games. The next, the next, um, the, the, the top two teams in those groups will advance to the quarterfinals. Um, what's important about all this is if you advance to the second round, you are now guaranteed a place in the Olympic qualifying tournaments, which will take place next summer before the Olympics uh, in Paris uh, for the United States, for those who care about that. The top two teams from FIBA Americas in the World Cup will get an automatic bid into the Olympics, um, probably hurting things here. France uh, is an automatic qualifier. It won't hurt things actually, but France is an automatic qualifier. They're the only team that's qualified for the Olympics so far. Um, you probably saw the Bahamas was play were playing some basketball. They um, they upset Argentina, I believe, to qualify for the uh, for the uh, for the Olymp for the Olympic qualifying tournament. So Argentina, I don't even know if Argentina is going to be in the Olympics next year, which is crazy. Um, but we are now in that second round phase. So. The U.S. is going to play Montenegro and Lithuania. The records all carry over, so the U.S. is 3-0. Essentially, if they split their games, they advance to the quarterfinals, advance to the knockout round. So you can still lose and be okay here for the most part. However, uh, and look, don't lose that game to Montenegro because then things get really tricky. Um, however, you obviously want the top seed in your group because then you play the second-place uh, team of the next group in the quarterfinals. And if you look at the U.S.'s bracket, the U.S. bracket like opens up very, very nicely for them. Uh, the U.S. will play two very tough teams. Montenegro, Nikola Vucevic is playing fantastic um, for, for Montenegro in this tournament. And then Lithuania, obviously with Jonas Valanciunas. Lithuania, very, very proud basketball country, basketball program. These two, these are the two toughest games that the U.S. has faced to this point. You know, Greece is solid, but without Giannis, they're not, they're not the same. Um, they're also in the group at two and one. Um, the cross group for the U.S., coming out of this tournament or coming out of this bracket is uh, I believe it is the Dominican Republic um, with Carl Anthony Towns, 3-0, playing very, very well. Serbia, uh, again, Serbia, no Nikola Jokic, but still a very dangerous team. And then I believe it is Puerto Rico and uh, Italy. Um, so the potential to play Italy uh, in, in the quarterfinals is definitely present. Um, you know, the way, the way the Dominican Republic is playing and Carl Anthony Towns being a, a great player, maybe not as easy on paper as it looks, but out of that bunch, without Nikola Jokic there and without Giannis there, obviously, um, the U.S. will not face any of the medal favorites 
um, until the semifinals. Um, that's that's just, I mean, that's the draw that they got. Um, you know, the U.S. Look, they could still they could still flame out. They could still end up in in the in the classification games and not medal. But they do have a path to get to the medal round. I don't want to say easily because that's unfair because these are very good teams. I did not like Anthony Edwards saying that we're not worried about these teams. Look, Montenegro and Lithuania are going to test the U.S.'s biggest weakness, and that is their size and post-defense. Jaron Jackson Jr. fouls a lot. That is his biggest weakness. He's going to, you know, usually he has Steven Adams guard uh, guard the low-post player, guard the Nikola Vucevic's guard the, the Jonas Valanciunas so he can roam a- a- and block shots. Um, he's going to have to step up. And, you know, like this, Jaron Jackson Jr. wants to be known as the best defender in the world. These are the games that are, this. these two games are going to d- determine that because he, it's going to be him on an island against two of the best centers in this tournament. Um, and, and, you know, I think the U.S. wins ultimately. I think the U.S. has too much talent and too much speed and too much athleticism. But it's going to be a battle. And if they let, if they don't watch themselves, they could be in trouble in these games. That's my take. Uh, but, it's not as challenging as the other side of the bracket. You know, you just look at Germany's group, the other group that we're going to care about. Germany's, uh, Germany, Slovenia, Georgia, and Australia are all in the same group. Georgia's already beaten Australia. They will start off against, or, or Germany's already beaten Australia. Germany will start off against Georgia, which Georgia, tough draw, tough luck. They're happy to be there. It's their first World Cup. Georgia's the odd team out. Don't lose to Georgia, anybody. Um, Getting them and then playing Slovenia with the way Luka Doncic is playing, Australia is going to have a really tough climb here. Um, Australia needs to beat Slovenia on Friday. If they don't beat Slovenia on Friday, they're out um, essentially, unless Germany, unless Georgia beats Germany. Um, and even then, like that's then that then really really tricky stuff has to happen in math that I can't even comprehend. Um, Germany, Australia, Slovenia at this point all should feel like they can medal. Um, I trust. Germany a lot if Franz Wagner is playing. If Franz Wagner isn't playing, that is not a, a championship team. Um, you know, they they got they got a nice mix of size, a nice mix of shooting. Dennis Schroeder's fantastic, but they need a secondary playmaker and ball handler, and that's what Franz Wagner gives that team. And he is an attacker and, and able to get in the lane. They need Franz if they want to medal in this tournament. Um, Australia, they have the know-how, they have the veteran play. They're still really, really tough. That game on on Friday against Slovenia is going to be one of the best games of the tournament. Um, I'll, I'll just say it right now. Australia-Slovenia on Friday is going to be one of the best games of the tournament. Uh, I, and I'm really looking forward to that because, look, Slovenia is built around Luka Doncic. Doncic does everything, and you have to figure out how to slow him down just enough. Australia has a lot of length between Dante Exum, Josh Green, Josh Giddy. Uh, you know, they they have a lot of length to throw, uh, to throw, at, uh, to throw at him and see if they can slow him down. Australia believes they can medal in this tournament. They absolutely should still believe they can medal in this tournament. They should believe they can get out of that group. Um, and so Friday's game against Slovenia is going to determine whether they do. The real, I think, second favorite, though, is Canada. Um, if you haven't been following Canada basketball, Canada basketball, you know, the generation has been, it's been rumbling. It's been trying to get itself going. And, and, and at long last, I think they finally got some of their best players to play uh, in these big international tournaments. And it's all coalesced. If there's one team that can keep pace with the United States, if there's one team that can match the U.S.'s athleticism, go small against them, and still feel pretty comfortable, 
it's Canada. And Canada has great perimeter defenders that I think could give the U.S. some problems. Their team is Shea Gildas-Alexander, uh, Rugen Stort, Dylan Brooks. Uh, they got Dwight Powell. Um, they got Kelly Olenek. And they got they got a decent bench. Nikhil Alexander-Walker's coming off their bench. They got some NBA guys coming off their bench. Only uh, Jamal Murray isn't even playing. And so, you know, when you look ahead to the Olympics next year and the two teams that should qualify out of FIBA Americas are Canada and the U.S. Um, if you look ahead to the Olympics next year, they could add Jamal Murray. They could still add Andrew Wiggins, which would give them another really good defender on the perimeter. Um, this is a team that plays fast. They have the best downhill attacker in the league in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, I said it. Um, you know, he was all NBA guard last year. I don't know why that, I don't think that should be controversial to say. Um, they are, they're playing really well. They're pummeling teams. They beat France by 30. Like they're pummeling teams. They play with attitude and swagger. It would not surprise me if it's US Canada in the final. Um, I, if, if I were, I still want to, be- I think the US reaches the final. I think that they play, I think it's going to be either Canada um, Germany or Spain. I, I I don't count Spain out ever, but this is not a strong Spain team, not a strong Spanish team. It's probably going to be the U.S. versus Canada or Germany uh, in, in the final. Uh, and I expect Canada to win their group. I expect Germany to win their group. And that would set up a Germany-Canada semifinal. We saw them play each other. They split their games uh, in, the, in, the, in the friendly run. Uh, we know, we saw how good, both teams can play uh, and look Germany to push the U S around a little bit in their game. Um, and so what's been really fun about this tournament is it does feel wide open. Yes. Only France among the uh, tournament favorites has, has been eliminated at this point, but this tournament has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, Japan was really plucky and played really, really well and had a really nice showing for, for their home home fans, um, the Philippines with Jordan Clarkson played really really well. Uh, you know, for develop, you know, for kind of developing basketball nation, Cape Verde had a really nice really nice showing. Um, you know, obviously France had their disappointment. Uh, Latvia advancing without Kristaps Porzingis. It's it's been a fun tournament, but now we're gonna get serious. Now we're gonna get to the teams that actually have a shot at winning this. And look, it feels like there are four teams, maybe five teams, that apps you know, honestly maybe even six teams. That absolutely feel like they they can not only medal but they can win this thing. The U.S. is obviously the favorite. I still like Canada. I still like Germany a lot. Spain and Australia absolutely can medal. Can absolutely win this thing. Uh, and you know, Slovenia's got the best player in the tournament in Luka Doncic, so they can still win this thing too. It's gonna be a fun second round. Uh, tip off for the second round is Friday morning. Uh, I believe the U.S. has a 4:40 a.m. tip off on Friday against um who are they playing? They're playing against Montenegro. And then an eight, I believe it's eight forty tip off against um, against uh, Lithuania on Sunday. So get up early. Uh, we'll, we'll start getting up early for these games here once we hit the knockout rounds. But we got some good basketball ahead, and, and I do think the U.S. is is in a really good spot to to, to bring home the gold. And, and like I said, Paolo Bencaro has been making some great contributions. All the Magic players have made great contributions to their teams to help them get to this point. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Hit your tune in. Himmel, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun we sell podcasts to your podcast. Enable listening device related to the Orlando Magic. Be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can, you can, of course, follow us there on Twitter at OMagicDaily. Uh, I do not know if I'm going to have an episode for you tomorrow. 
Um, I may wait and do a Friday afternoon episode. Um, it might depend on my schedule a little bit because um, I have a, I, I'm covering high school football, so I'll, I'll be uh, needing to get get out pretty early on Friday. Um, but we may do an episode just on Friday, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, uh, to just recap the second round of the of the World Cup tournament, uh, the first first games of the second round of the tournament. Um, so there may not be a new episode tomorrow on Thursday. Um, but we'll definitely see you Friday and absolutely certainly we will see you on Sunday to wrap up the second round of the FIBA World Cup. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.